0: hello everybody welcome back to witch fix today we're looking at the skeleton key a movie from 2005 which was in my sort of peripheral awareness but i didn't think it maybe had enough witchy content at least not on the sort of brief synopsis that i saw floating around the internet and then i think it got recommended to me again by claire if i'm very much if i'm not very much mistaken uh, so i decided to give it a shout and i had a pretty good watch of it uh, a few days ago and wrote my notes was unfortunately a little unwell so couldn't record straight away so forgive me if some of the finer points of the movie have slipped my mind my mum enjoyed it I was watching it with her for once which normally I don't drag other people into my witchy watches with me but uh I thought it was sort of a thriller it would probably appeal to her as well and uh yeah she said it was pretty good uh I have some thoughts and we're gonna get into it now So uh, there's some trigger warnings for this movie. Uh, I'm going to trigger one for death slash terminal illness, abuse slash neglect, lynching, domestic violence, drugging and self-harm. So there's quite a lot of of things going on in this, uh, which gives away a little bit of the plot, but we'll get into it. The premise of this movie is that, sort of similar to The Grudge, a woman goes in to care for the elderly in a house where weird shit is happening and we're introduced to this woman who's played by kate hudson whose name is caroline or carrie to her friends uh she's working at a home she's reading to an elderly man who then passes away and she's asked to like put his belongings at the front desk so that his family can claim them but then told that he has no family and to just sling the box in the dumpster and we get a little bit of info on her character here because when she takes the box out to the dumpster and sees a dumpster already overflowing with boxes of possessions formerly belonging to the elderly. She can't face throwing this box away. She puts it in her car and takes it away with her, depressed by the, the state of the healthcare system in which she is a small part. We find out that she's living in New Orleans, so there's there's a lot of like establishing shots, and she looks in a newspaper to find a, a new job and looks at one for a live-in hospice carer. So that's the job she's going to be going for her friend jill i feel like we find out she's called jill much later but her friend jill warns her that this is way out in the swamps in, in the sticks she's, she's not going to have a good time uh but caroline it cannot be dissuaded she needs this money and the experience for nursing school she wants to be a nurse so she drives all the way out to this house which is this great big plantation house in the middle of fucking nowhere um to to see about this job and then when she gets to the house they do the classic oh no one's here but the front door's wide open so she she opens the door and halloos around there's a lot of very creepy religious iconography including like a human-sized painted statue of some saint or other which i'm sorry i would drag outside and hide under a tarp as soon as i saw it because my god it frightened me six or seven times throughout the movie it was the scariest thing in the film I wish I'd never seen it, but there we go. She moves around and eventually comes out onto the back porch and sees an old lady cutting the hair of an old man sitting in a wheelchair. And This is the elderly couple who live in this house. Ben, who has recently had a stroke and has become completely paralysed and unable to speak, and his wife, Violet. We're also introduced to Luke, who is the estate lawyer. Now, he's played by... Who is he played by? Peter Sarsgaard, who... I- I've seen it in only one other movie which he made, like while well after this one, and he was a slimy dick in that as well. So I was like, I don't trust you. And then, right enough, he he was untrustworthy. I feel like lawyers with southern accents in movies are always untrustworthy. So he had that working against him as well. But he introduces himself and talks to caroline and basically gives her some lore on you know ben's recent troubles and the the previous carers have just left one after another they can't seem to keep anybody and violet kicks off and is like caroline isn't from the south she's not from around here she she is not going to understand the house is how she puts it caroline is very determined though and she manages to win violet round i can't remember if we see what she says to her but Later on, she is driving back to the house, this time to move in and stay. When she stops for gas at the creepy gas station in horror movies. Again, no one responds when she halloos from the door. I feel like the the movie goes back to this well quite a bit. Um, There's a line of red powder over the doorstep. There's like fly-covered oysters just randomly on a plate on the cash desk. It feels like this whole situation has been engineered by two people who own the gas station and want to frighten people. I can think of no reason why it would be so, like, abandoned looking, filled with flies and hanging bones. It's like, these people are just waiting for the apocalypse to happen. Or this is just a lazy attempt to get a scare into the movie because she goes into the back room and then an old lady just appears out of the shadows, just like, and then she backs into the owner of the gas station. Who's eating an oyster and he's like, huh! and then she leaves. So it's it, it's it's a very kind of lazy, Oxbow lake part of the movie. It's it's not really relevant to anything else. We get some more backstory on Caroline. She unpacks a picture of her with her dad, and like puts it to one side when she gets to the house. So I'm assuming that her dad's probably dead. Uh, but, you know that that's usually what happens when people look at pictures of their families in movies that family member's dead there's a weird blank square on the wall where something has been removed and she notices this in several other rooms where all the mirrors have been taken down so creepy horror movie stuff later on ben who is supposedly completely paralyzed grabs her arm when she's trying to tend him with like quite a grip which is the first thing that sort of suggests oh something's not right here things continue to not be right here until the movie ends Violet interrupts this tense moment of, of Ben grabbing Caroline to bring in like a glass of water mixed with some powdered up pills which she doesn't know or doesn't say what they are just insists that he needs to keep taking them so it seems like she is purposefully drugging Ben into compliance or basically keeping him as out of it as possible for reason or reasons unknown. Violet also makes comments to Caroline about her probably being marked up, by which means she means having tattoos. She seems to be just very traditional and a busybody and that kind of thing. We get a little backstory on the house that in 1962, uh, Violet and Ben bought it from the previous owners who had grown up there and were then elderly and fell on hard times, and so they bought the house from them. Uh, so uh, it was previously owned by a uh, brother and sister called Martin and Grace. She sees a picture of these people on the mantel. They're like little blonde children, like from the sound of music. But then when she lifts the picture up, another picture slides out of the back, which has the same children but this time with people wearing like maid and butler type clothes, you know, like the white apron and the black dress and that sort of thing. And on the back of the picture these people are identified as Mama Cecile and Papa Justify. So presumably servants of the family of Martin and Grace when they were children. Violet then gives Caroline the skeleton key, for which the movie is named. All of the doors in the house are locked with uh, individual keys, but the skeleton key can open all of them, or so she says. Caroline then mentions that there are no mirrors, and Violet says that they were just put away, um, but doesn't really offer any explanation as to why. The next day while out gardening, Violet asks Caroline to go up to the attic, uh oh, to go and get some seeds for her to plant and when Caroline goes up into the attic she finds it's very derelict and dusty and creepy and she hears noises and behind a sort of bookshelf type rack of various objects she hears rattling and then finds that there's a door back there which is rattling which it sort of implies that it's open it does seem to be like wiggling quite far in both directions but she finds that it is locked and that the skeleton key does not work on this door When she mentions this to Violet later on, Violet claims that they've never been able to open that door and also that she has no idea what Ben was doing up in the attic when he had his stroke. So all signs point to the attic being creepy. That night Caroline hears a glass smash or something smash, gets up to investigate and again the supposedly paralysed Ben is not in his bed. She unlocks the door, she goes in, she's like, oh, he's not in his bed. She proceeds to, like, search the house, because, you know, where is he? We have some scenes of her, like, unlocking rooms and, like, looking around for him. There's a lot of shots from, like, the other side of the door, or, like, through the lock as the key is being used. I don't really know why. The key doesn't end up being that important. It's just, I guess, like, an interesting way to shoot scenes. But eventually Caroline realises that she had to unlock the door to find that Ben wasn't in his bed. So he was locked in the room. So he can't be in the rest of the house. He must have gone out the window. So she runs back to his room, looks out the window, and sure enough, he's crawling across like the roof of the veranda in the pouring rain, absolutely terrified. And This was probably like one of the more disturbing scenes in the movie for me. Um, I think a lot of the horror in the film comes from the, the idea of, of how we treat the elderly and the way that we are afraid of being treated if we become, like, frail or old or unable to take care of ourselves. Like, that's where most of the horror comes from. Well, that and a whole bunch of debatably quite racist cliches. Anyway, it seems like Ben's trying to escape. He, he kind of falls off the veranda, I think, and, like, it's very hectic for a minute there. And Caroline thinks that he is reaching for this boat that's on a little dock at the end. It seems like he really wants to escape. But then Violet comes outside and like helps get him up and like get him inside. And says, what did they make you do? Like he's being possessed or manipulated by spirits, ghosts, demons, what have you. Inside, back in the room, Caroline finds a sheet on which help me has been written in dirt from a spilled plant pot and Violet then comes to say that they have to double Ben's remedies, so clearly he's getting a little bit too active for her, and she wants to keep drugging him into a stupor. The next day luke arrives to deal with some kind of legal thing i don't know but caroline takes him to one side and tries to tell him about what she saw the previous night but when she shows him the sheet it's now clean and she becomes convinced that violet has taken the dirty one and hidden it or gotten rid of it somehow she also admits to luke that the reason she cares so much about ben aside from it you know literally being her fucking job is that her dad was like estranged to her she like went away and and didn't see him for a long time and didn't even know when he got terminally ill and died, so that's where most of her hang slash character comes from. Caroline, now with the wind fully up her, goes back to the attic to try and get behind the mystery door. While trying to pick it, she discovers a small thing lodged in the lock, which is part of a skeleton key, like hers, but obviously this is broken off of a different one, jamming the lock, meaning that her one won't work, and now with it removed, she can unlock the door when she does open the door a weird wind comes out and if you ever open a door and a weird wind comes out you should shut that door immediately and leave but she doesn't she goes in and she finds a bunch of jars and doll heads and animal skulls and a mummified head and a bunch of other weird stuff that you would probably hope not to find in a mystery room But there we go. She finds a book, and it has a lot of photos of the old household inside, more pictures showing uh, Mama Cecile and Papa Justified. Um, Just, you know, with the rest of the family in front of the house, a little bit more reinforcing, I guess, of the law we've seen. Flipping through the book, she finds spells or conjurations written down. There's a conjuration of supreme protection and I think on like the nameplate it calls itself like the receipt book of Papa Justify and receipt is like an old-timey way of saying recipe. She also finds a ring which is like three snakes coiled round and an LP which has a label on it that says Papa Justify's conjuration of sacrifice. So like another spell or ritual. Violet then has followed her up to the attic, Caroline hears her coming and is desperate to get out she accidentally breaks a jar containing something pickled which is gross um, and then hides outside um she finds in the course of her hiding all of the mirrors with sheets and stuff over them so they've been moved up to the attic for some reason um and is obviously now a little bit freaked out she goes all the way back to her friend jill's I think, or like maybe her apartment back in the city, but like away from the house to listen to the LP. It's a lot of kind of chanting and they're saying things like, break these chains, bring me from the devil's house out of this darkness and sadness. Um, It's kind of part song, part chant, um, but it it kind of freaks her out a little bit. There's kind of these weird like screamy noises in the background, which doesn't really help. Couldn't tell if those were on the LP or just added for effect, uh, but She's a little bit freaked out and she talks to Jill about it. Jill hears part of the LP and then Jill tries to explain the movie's version of Hoodoo. And I say the movie's version, I don't know a lot about Hoodoo. um, So I can't really say if this is legit or anything. It it seemed to be about like 40% similar to the basic knowledge that I have. Um, And when I Googled it and looked it up to see like how accurate other people have said about it some people said that it was kind of offensive and inaccurate so go into that forewarned but this is basically the law for the movie's sake jill says that what she found is called a hoodoo room and that unlike voodoo which is a religion hoodoo is just like a magic practice with no deities or gods and that it's kind of a mixture of african european and native american religious practices or magic she's unclear on this point But the one thing that she does hammer home is that hoodoo is harmless unless you believe in it. Like, it can only get you if you think it's coming to get you, basically. And and that's sort of what Caroline latches onto. She's like, oh, okay. So basically, it's the fear of the idea that you've been cursed that gets to you. Uh, Which is kind of important for, like, the plot of the movie. Jill then takes her to a hoodoo shop, which is in the back of a laundromat. But Jill is afraid to go in, and Caroline doesn't appear to go in either, like the scene just ends without either of them going in and I was unclear as to what I was meant to think about this but she does go back later and it does seem to be the first time she's been to the shop. Back at the house, uh, Caroline tugs Ben into bed and then sneaks off to the attic. I don't know why this scene is here because then we just cut to the morning, there we go Uh, Violet sees that the mirror is back on Ben's wall and freaks out and I thought this was going to be a thing of like ooh ghosts put it there but Apparently it was Caroline, she just decided, fuck these people who pay my wages, and then put all the mirrors back up. Caroline then reveals to Violet that she's seen this secret room, and she demands answers, like, why is this room there? What the fuck's going on? Violet says that she doesn't dare disturb the room, that she's, I guess, always known it was there since they moved into the house, but she said that if she was from the South, Caroline would understand, and if you see a room like that, you don't mess with it. You don't have to be from the South. You don't even have to be from America. I saw that room. I'd have shut that door up and then maybe bricked over it. But Violet does drop some more lore and we get some flashbacks to accompany this. So, 40 years ago, an evil banker lived in the house. Did he build it? Not sure. But he lived there with his family. And his servants were Mama Cecile and Papa Justify. And they were hoodoo practitioners. Uh, and it was their secret room and they became very famous for their healing and for their hexing. They were very powerful. The banker, however, was a terrible boss and very abusive. And then we find out that everything comes to a head on the night of a big party. So there's famous people, influential people, all of these people have come to this house for this giant party. I think it's for, like the wedding anniversary of the banker and his wife, whatever. And their two children... Have disappeared like during the course of the party but all these famous and influential people for some reason want to say goodnight to their children so they go around hunting them out like it's a game like yoohoo where are you and they eventually find them upstairs in the hoodoo room they're sitting in the middle of a circle made entirely of candles and they seem perfectly like peaceful they're not being like forced to be there they're not tied up or screaming or any of the other horror movie stuff but everyone still goes absolutely balls to the wall mad about it uh, and they drag both papa justifier and mama Cecilia outside and lynch them from like the big tree in the garden and then set them on fire and you see the children at the window watching this happen so that's you know uniquely horrifying the family apparently bribed a bunch of people to get away with it and like, never saw justice, but then the bank went under, and the banker killed his wife and himself. So, you know, they didn't get away scot-free. Apparently, uh, and according to Violet, the mirrors have been taken down because the spirits of um, Mama Cecile and Papa Justify can be seen in the mirrors, and she didn't like that, so she took them all down and hid them in the attic, as opposed to, like, getting rid of them entirely, which probably would have been smarter. But there we go. We also get told a little bit of hoodoo more violet says that she's put a circle of brick dust all around the house and no one who means you harm can cross a line of brick dust so she believes that she's trying to keep ben safe but that these spirits are what caused ben's illness keen to experiment with this new information caroline shows a compact mirror to ben Ben, by the way, I don't know if I've said this already in the review, but he's played by John Hurt. A lot of the reviews say that he is chronically underused, or like this role is beneath him, but he does an excellent job in a really, probably quite difficult role to act, because a lot of what he's doing is just looking at stuff, and honestly, some of the most disturbing parts of the movie are just, and I don't want this to sound mean, but his face Just, like, the expressions that he's doing and, and, like, the way he looks at people in such a sort of beseeching, helpless way. It's just genuinely chilling. So, he did a good job. Anywho, she shows him the mirror and he freaks out because I guess he can see ghosts in it or something. I'll come back to this moment later because it is kind of clever. But there we go. So, now that she knows that Ben believes in this stuff, Caroline says, fine. If he believes that he's cursed, and that's what's making him meals psychosomatically, maybe if I uncurse him, he'll believe that he's not cursed anymore and he will get better. It's kind of sound logic. It's not quite the placebo effect. It's like the nothing effect. But she decides to go back to the hoodoo laundrette. She meets a lady there called Mama Cynthia, who is very welcoming and is like, Hey, girl from, I guess, New York played by Kate Hudson, come on in, let me teach you all about the secret ways of hoodoo. So she gives her a bunch of stuff, and and she goes to, to do this ritual to help Ben. This is referred to uh, by Mama Cynthia as an uncrossing, which is something I had heard of, like, crossing someone is like a curse, and then uncrossing is like the protection reversal version of that. That's like the only thing that I remembered. I, I think I'd heard about the brick dust thing as well, but like I said, I did not have... Any knowledge on the subject. There's a very cool scene where Caroline does the ritual. It's not like obviously the same as like a Wiccan witchy ritual, but it is kind of cool to watch. She gets this like bowl of water and puts herbs in it and then stands like a crucifix shaped candle and she starts chanting and stuff. So I always like a ritual on film. It just looks cool. So she does this. She's like cleanse this house, wash away his condition. And as she's doing the chanting, he seems to be getting a bit better he starts to move around he slowly begins to try and speak and then he says caroline he says her name um and we see in a different room violet wake up so time is of the essence now ben then asks caroline for help and she's like what do you need help with w- what can i help you do and he says get me out of here and then when violet comes in like the way he looks at her implies that violet is the threat here he needs to get away from violet Violet then packs Caroline off to bed firmly and is like, we won't need your help the rest of the night, go to sleep. And then locks her out of the room using her own key. Caroline has nightmares. Um, And some of these like visions are of uh, Mama Cecile smoking a long black cigarette and Violet also smokes long black cigarettes. And this is the point at which I kind of clued into what was happening in the movie. Uh, which kind of ruins the twist ending, but we'll get there. She then sees her own eyes and mouth being sewn up, like the weird severed head in the voodoo room. Hoodoo room? The room. Um, So that's, you know, creepy. She packs packs up all of her stuff, and Caroline's like, nope, leaving this house, never coming back. But then she reconsiders, because, you know, she has that sad dad backstory, and Ben's still here, he needs her help, so she can't leave. Uh, There you go she does however show pictures of the attic room to luke but he dismisses her concerns and is just like that's just the sort of thing people believe down here y'all thanks luke you're real helpful caroline is determined to find out why the last girl quit which is usually something you find out before you take the job but there we go um she goes to like i guess another retirement home where the previous girl who is black and i will mention this later on because it's kind of part of this joke they do at the end bear with me but the previous girl says that Caroline should leave the house before she starts to believe like basically Caroline's like hey that stuff can't hurt me I don't even believe in it and the girl's like yeah but you'd better leave before that changes spoiler alert this is hugely important but Caroline just misses this this whole section of the movie she just forgets that it happened she makes Luke stop at the gas station and they go and talk to this old lady who lives in like a swamp shack in the woods behind it and she has i think her own lp of like a ritual and caroline asks her about the conjuration of sacrifice which is the the record that she has and she's told by this old lady that that is the strongest conjuration uh, it was developed by papa justified but he was killed before he like fully completed it and basically it takes the life that someone has left to live and it gives it to you so that you can live longer and At this point, the movie is trying to tell me that Violet, who is obviously the aggressor in this scenario, who's drugging Ben and, and keeping him immobile, is going to suck up Ben's life force. But with the best will, <laughs> best will in the world, John Hurt in, in this particular moment does not look like he has a lot of that life left. So once we're told that, oh yeah, they're taking life from the victim of this conjuration. Who do you think's the more likely victim? Is it Ben, who's like 105? Or is it Kate Hudson, who's like 20? It's not that suspenseful, really, but the movie continues. Luke now says that he will look into protective custody or getting the police out to to get Ben away from Violet because he seems concerned about what's going on. And the fact that he just suddenly believed Caroline and was going to help her was... Another strike in the column of, this guy's in on it. Don't trust him. But there we go. Caroline insists on going back to the house to take care of Ben for the night because the police can't get there until tomorrow morning because the police, I mean, you know, pretty famously, they, they don't deal with crime at night. It's dark out. You can just wait till morning. When Caroline gets back to the house, she finds that Violet has been through her stuff and taken the book of photographs slash conjurations and the record so like basically all of her evidence um violet tears the page for the conjuration of protection from the book and folds it up uh, while caroline is sort of frantically looking for her stuff caroline then takes some brick dust from a trough of it in a shed out back uh, and uses it on her room as a test because she invites violet in and is like come and look at this leak in my ceiling and violet's like i can see just fine from the doorway and there's A really extended moment of her just trying to get Violet to cross this brick dust, but she can't do it. Violet then invites Caroline to eat supper with her. Uh, So Caroline is like, cool, yeah, I'll be down in a minute. She tells Ben that they are leaving uh, and that she'll be back to get him. She'll she'll get him out of here. And then she injects some sort of drug into sugar cubes with which she's going to obviously try and drug Violet. Violet then refuses to have sugar in her iced tea. Uh, And then the power goes out. There's this really tense sort of chicken scene where um, Caroline's like, why don't you drink your sweet tea? And Violet's like, why don't you eat your gumbo? And they're both just waiting for the other person to eat the drugs they've given them. But while Violet is distracted momentarily, Caroline pours just a bunch of drugs into the sweet tea. And then Violet drinks some and passes out on the floor while she's passing out she does try and do the protection conjuration she's like keep him in this house and she starts trying to draw something with chalk but passes out caroline then hunts for the record finds it and the help me sheet uh, and a clump of her own hair which she had not up until now realized was missing just in a cupboard uh, with a bunch of glass jars of brick dust so she she has all this stuff back she puts ben in her car and drives away but the gates to the estate are now padlocked so she tries to ram them it's raining the cars slithering around all over the place um she stalls the car the car then refuses to turn back on violet wakes up gets a gun and pursues her so caroline hides ben in the boathouse runs to the little tiny rowboat that she saw earlier which is not in the boathouse for some reason and then rows away into the swamp. Caroline is able to find, I don't know, some helpful swamp people. We never know who these people are, but they drive her into town, but not to a police station, and they don't give her, like, a cell phone or take her to a phone box where she can just call the police. No, they take her to Luke's apartment because Luke's totally on the up and up and not evil at all. She tells him that Violet tried to kill her, and, you know, he doesn't go, let's call the police. So it's pretty obvious he's about to betray her. He then gets a phone call from Violet asking about Caroline and he kind of looks at Caroline like, oh, I'm going to have to go lie to her and then leaves the room. Caroline begins to poke around and she finds in quick succession a record on the player which is playing a song that I think we heard at the house earlier. I forget why it was important. But she sees a lot of beginner lawyer books, like the basics on pretending to be a lawyer just in a pile on his desk as well as pictures of her and a drawer which when partially opened, seems to have like bones and stuff in it and she also sees the three snake ring and a broken skeleton key so this is the key that was previously used to open the hoodoo room she's just looking at all of this stuff like oh wow i'm dumb as shit and then he garrots her from behind and puts her unconscious body into a car to drive her all the way back to the plantation house While they're on the way there, she does kind of wake up a bit and he says some stuff about how it feels to be born and how it feels to die. And then he says, but I wouldn't know what dying feels like, cementing the idea that he is actually super old and has been using this special conjuration to remain alive. At this point, the film wows us with the knowledge that Caroline is the sacrifice or person who's going to have her youth stolen because, as previously stated, Ben doesn't have any. So there we go. She tells them that Ben is in the shed as kind of a distraction because she knows that, or thinks she knows, that nothing can be done to help Ben now. He, he's very old, he's very sick. Sh- she can't help him, but she can help herself. So she tells him that sh- he's in the shed as like a distraction. And then it's revealed that Violet is sort of teaching luke hoodoo or like that's what caroline guesses is going on while violet is outside getting ben from the shed uh, caroline is able to distract luke long enough to get back over the line of brick dust she made before so he can't get into that room after her she then climbs out through the window and up the trellis to get to a higher floor of the house takes the jars of brick dust she discovered earlier and starts circling off the stairs so that violets and luke can't get upstairs to get her Which is smart, and it was kind of enjoyable to see that she was embracing this, like, law and turning it against the people who were after her. Violet then manages to sneak up behind her. Uh, I think she comes up in the... No, that's not what happens. (laughs) I've forgotten how she gets upstairs, but she gets upstairs, I guess through a window or something, and she blows some stuff into uh, Caroline's face, which makes her, like, dizzy and not feel very well unclear what this stuff was it doesn't stop caroline pushing violet down the stairs so um i guess she can get over the brick dust the other way or well, maybe she goes over the bannister not sure uh, caroline then grabs a phone to call for help what a good idea i wish she'd done this earlier she actually manages to make two phone calls which is two more than any other character in a horror movie manages to make normally but sh- she calls the police and is like help danger and then she calls jill and he's like it's real it's all real so pretty heavy signifier that she now believes in all of this stuff Rutro. violet then takes the elevator back up and she's like child i think you broke my legs which that was a terrible accent i was trying to do like an old southern lady (laughs) did not come out like that sounded like foghorn leghorn anywho she gets up there and she disconnects the phone so that Caroline can't make a third phone call, I guess. Um, And then they kind of chase and herd Caroline to the attic, where the same ritual we saw in the flashback has been prepared. There's this big circle of candles. It's all set up just as it was in the past. Caroline grabs a bunch of stuff from around the hoodoo room and performs the conjuration of protection. She makes this little protection circle around herself and puts, like, blood around it and sulfur, and it's all very cool. So she does that. And then Violet gets to her, and she says, you're an idiot. That spell traps you in the circle. It doesn't protect you from anything outside it. It just means that you can't move. So, at this point, it looks like Violet took that page from the book and had it on her, just so that Caroline could take it from her and think that it would protect her. So, it's all been a a big trap. Great big web of traps. Violet then tells Caroline that they needed her to believe, or it wouldn't work. So, basically... This has been, like, one of them cat and mouse things. In in, in storylines like this, it's usually, like, the creature feeds on fear. So it's like, oh, we had to do all the standard horror movie stuff because the creature eats fear and you needed to be afraid. It's sort of similar to that in, like, all the horror movie stuff has been happening because we needed you to believe that hoodoo was real so that we could use hoodoo on you. So there we go. Violet then stands behind a full-length mirror and while Caroline insists that she doesn't believe that this can't hurt her, that she's going to be fine while it sends the mirror like shooting psychically across the floor into Caroline and her reflection becomes that of the little girl from the photo then Violet and then uh, Cecilia from the flashback it rams into Caroline knocking her down and the mirror breaks all the candles go out and then the power comes back on Caroline then gets up takes one of the cigarettes from beside uh, Violet's prone body and lights it because she is now possessed by cecilia luke then calls her cecilia or cecile i forget what name i was saying can't be bothered to go back and check she's been possessed and he has been possessed by justify so it becomes very clear that what has happened is the original ritual that ended in them being uh, basically tortured and murdered was to pass their essences souls whatever into the two children and it worked and when those children grew up They took uh, over the bodies of Violet and Ben. And now that Violet and Ben are old, they've taken over new bodies of Luke and Caroline. Which means that Caroline is now stuck in Violet's body, just as Luke has been stuck in Ben's body this whole time. And every time he was like, I need you to help me, I need you to get me out of here. That was Luke, the the former lawyer, trying to warn Caroline about her fate and what was going to happen to her. So this is a, a pretty nice twist. As I said, it did kind of get spoiled because of the cigarette thing. Cecile and Violet both smoking the same kind of cigarette is pretty obvious. They put it in that dream sequence. Um, But it is kind of a nice reveal uh, at this point in the movie, if you don't think about it too hard. Cecile and Justify, as Caroline and Luke, then have a little bit of conversation. They fill in some of what I've just told you. And Cecile says that people just don't believe like they used to. So it's getting harder to find people who already believe in this stuff in order to jump into their body. so they're having to, like, scare the bejesus out of people before they can do it and she says that this time she wanted to possess a black body like, obviously, her original body and Luke says, well, you know, the black ones never stay which is why I mentioned the race of the previous carer it's kind of that trope of, like, only white people move into these haunted houses and stay in them So i found that quite funny it's kind of an awareness of the genre if nothing else jill then arrives because she got that phone call of just kate hudson screaming it's real it's all real and from that she was like i should go to this house in the middle of the night so jill turns up and i thought she was going to catch on to the fact that it wasn't actually caroline because caroline when ben and violet are being put into an ambulance the ambulance people is like oh no they'll be fine i don't need to go with them which is uncharacteristically uncaring of her and yet jill doesn't seem to catch on to this but there we go and luke says fake luke says to jill that caroline's really lucky because wouldn't you just know it ben and violet have left her their house in their will so she gets the house now and we see violet and Ben, or their bodies, in the ambulance, kind of looking at each other in their sort of semi-drug-induced paralysis, finally aware that both of them are now trapped forever. And then the movie ends. So, people who are, like, better at this than me, uh, looking into, like, the background of movies and who know something about hoodoo, said that the portrayal of it in this movie was kind of inaccurate and racist. And it does kind of leave heavily on these ideas of, like, other people's beliefs or cultures or the trappings of same are scary. We'll just put them in a, a room with this stuff and it's scary and that makes it a horror film. Also, there's just a lot of, like, swamp people and the people at the gas station who aren't scary. They're just running a gas station. But for some reason, it's been made to look like they're incredibly frightening to Kate Hudson. Um, which is a little bit weird like she has no reason to be frightened of these people and yet they're frightening and then when we come to the end of the movie and the twist is revealed where i thought it was going is that these unquiet spirits of these uh, servants who had been murdered were taking their revenge on the house and that maybe something needed to be done justice needed to be achieved to end the curse or what have you and that isn't really what happened. What happened is, oh, these people were killed because it was thought that they were doing evil and that's bad and wrong and horrifying. And then at the end of the movie, they're like, it was completely just that they were murdered because they were bad and wrong and evil, which isn't the direction I thought it was going to take. And even when like you think back to that scene, the real horrifying thing about it, obviously it's horrifying in the first instance. It's somehow more horrifying when you know that it's a pair of frightened children being like trapped in the minds of bodies that aren't their own who who are being murdered by their own parents. The movie never really goes back to that to really let the horror of that moment sink in which I feel is a mistake because it is you know horrifying and I felt like Caroline as a character didn't really deserve the end that she got and that again is kind of Horrifying and makes it a successfully disturbing movie. But on the other hand, it felt like at the end they just went, ah, fuck it, let's just make these people evil for no real reason, just because they practice a different religion. Suddenly they're mad monsters who go around stealing children's bodies for fun and profit. So I was left with some mixed feelings at the end of the movie. I think it is quite a good and successful horror film because by the end of it it was you know horrifying. obviously the the end fate of Caroline and the real Luke it's pretty horrifying you know they've had their entire lives stolen from them. they're locked into bodies that aren't theirs and which will probably die soon. That's pretty horrifying. um obviously the the people who have done this to them then get away with it so also horrifying and the real truth as to what happened to the original children of of the banker also horrifying even though the movie doesn't really sit with that for a moment and at the end of horror films there is kind of a tendency to make it so everything's okay like the monster is vanquished the good people live but this kind of reminded me of hereditary which we'd looked at before where it ends and then you're left with this kind of heavy feeling inside because you've just watched a lot of horrible things happen to people who didn't necessarily deserve the ends that they got so quite a successful way to end a horror film a lot of the other stuff within it kind of relied a lot on cliche and kind of racist cliche at that and it felt a little bit predictable especially through like the midsection, but it wasn't a terrible watch uh, I don't think I'd watch it again just because of obviously you don't really want to watch something that ends on such a downer for fun but uh, the way it was shot was quite interesting and i can understand why people are still watching this movie now even though it wasn't that successful when it first came out i think because at that point we were more into like sore and hostile and things like that back in 2005 i say we i wasn't because i don't find those that interesting but this was a very different kind of horror movie to the ones that were being made at the time mm-hmm. so i kind of understand that but if you want to watch a movie that's kind of like Get Out by way of hereditary, this is probably the one for you. So give it a watch, see what you think. Uh, if you know anything about Hoodoo, you're probably much better place to have thoughts about that whole aspect. I just thought the ritual scenes were quite cool. And in the meantime, make sure to recommend anything else you'd like me to watch. You can drop it in the comment section on YouTube, which I get notifications for. You can tweet me or you can email me. I do sometimes look at my emails infrequently. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye!